Hey, welcome to another episode of Can You Make Chris Rant? Also known as Connect This. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm excited to talk uh, our first ever all mapping special, nothing but mapping. We're just going to talk mapping, mapping, mapping. Doug, how do you feel about that? This will be the day when I stop talking right now. <laughs> yep, I'm out. <laughs> We got Doug Dawson from CCG Consulting, author of the Pots and Pans by CCG blog, uh, which is subscribed to by everyone and read by few. <laughs> and, um, and it's the person who's tired of hearing about mapping. And the tired person who's tired of hearing about <coughs> mapping. Um, but a lot of a lot of good posts on Pots and Pans by CCG. Uh, always, always a great read. Um, we got Kimberly McKinley, Utopia Fiber fame. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And I haven't heard anything about mapping. What's going on with that? It's over. We won. It's all it's all done. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> We're declaring victory and never talking about it again. Um, Kim, what are you doing March 1st? Apparently, I'm going to be in San Antonio at the Digital Inclusion I don't even know conference. Is that the the, the official term for it? Yes. So Almost. that is where I'll be with you, Chris. We're going to, yeah, so uh, Net Inclusion, the National Digital Inclusion, Inclusion Alliance event. You could get their name right if they invited you to speak. I, I pushed for you, but I, I feel like um, they uh, they they filled it up with people who aren't marketing people for some reason. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Us marketing people get enough fame. Let's, let's leave it to the other people. <laughs> so anyway, Net Inclusion is going to be a really fun event in San Antonio. And while we're there, uh, ILSR, along with Vocal, I believe, is going to be hosting an evening reception and at that, we're going to do a live connect this with the people who are around. And Kim's going to come in for it. And I'm still trying to talk Travis into it. Welcome to the show, Travis. Hello, Mr. Mitchell. I love your new sign. Big Thank upgrade you. from Rye. Well done, Rye. Yeah. Yes. Good, call, good call here. Yeah, I love it. That way I don't get confused also about whether I'm talking to other people or not. There's, you have no idea how many times in the middle of my day I just realized I'm not doing a podcast. Just but sitting here ranting into my microphone. Off. Do you turn it on like an open sign, or do you just leave it on all the time? No, I turn it on and off. Nice. Fancy. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. That way I get some exercise, too. Uh, and I'm Chris Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota, where I'm live on air. And uh, we have some great guests today. We're gonna we got two special guests that are gonna come in, and we have uh, a number of great topics. Uh, we have one that's awful, but we're gonna we're gonna speed through it and not spend a lot of time on it because everybody's sick about talking about mapping. Um, the first topic that we never get tired of is where's Travis and how is he connected to us? Hey, today's a good day. I'm in Yuma, Arizona, and we're using I've I've modified my router now, so we're using simultaneously. Starlink, Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, and fingers crossed, so far it's stable. Now, no, <clears throat> no it's not. You're you're completely fuzzy. <laughs> oh well, it's as stable as wireless gets. Then, ah. so uh, and we are in a we are in the off-peak time because, as I've mentioned to you guys before, this wireless technology is the party line technology of today. And um, so, if we could move connect this to three a.m. It would be a lot better than it is right now. I um I just got an invite to potentially do an event um, either in person or virtually in uh, South Korea. And um, uh, I was definitely thinking to myself, is that going to be at 3 a.m. in the morning? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Um, there's some really great work they're going on there. I saw I saw it recently, and this actually previews next week's Community Broadband Bits show. Um, I talked with um, uh, Rudolf Vanderberg, who's a fan of this show, I believe, from time to time. And uh, he's a great analyst in Europe, and uh, he knows folks that have been following Korea quite closely. And he pointed out to me something I had not realized, which is that South Korea's uh, mobile prices are quite high right now. And I was really surprised. I felt like they were always the leader. So it's interesting how these things change over time. So you're going to make us wait until and listen to your podcast to learn why their prices are so high? I don't really know yet. We were talking about Europe and how all the different strategies in Europe and that there's no such thing really as like the European fiber way. But like one of the things I thought was interesting is he makes a note that um, fiber is quite low in Belgium comparatively. And uh, but everyone in Belgium has access to cable in part because a lot of the buildings built their own cable connections back in the day, I think, out of frustration with the incumbent providers. And so it's kind of interesting how these things change over decades and sort of like a path dependence. Uh, but they've moved to fiber more slowly in part because their cable networks are better, I think, than other places. Um, but we talk a lot about different countries in Europe, what's working and what's not working, and that there's a great diversity of the nations of Europe. Hmm. So I might have to tune into that. Thank you, Christopher. Absolutely. I know that, I know that uh, Travis is going to listen to it no matter what, and then a few years later, he'll forget about it. <laughs> years later, yes, yes. So you're on Starlink, you're having a problem. And I just want to know, you have a great view of the sky, I'm guessing, right? There's nothing obstructing your view. Uh, no, we're out in the middle of the desert. So no, there's nothing obstructing it. Um, but I can't tell you, though, maybe what I should do to be a little bit more uh, scientific on this is I should turn off the LTE stuff and see what we're doing. No, maybe no, afterwards, no, no. we'll experiment later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> This is, it's as good as it's going to get, Mr. Mitchell. All right. So, Kim. I'm just glad, I was just going to say, I'm glad that he's actually camping now and not camping in a parking lot that he considered camping last time we uh, saw him. Uh, Yeah. It's not that much of a change, frankly. I'm in my parents' parking lot, so, but don't tell (laughs) me. It is what it is, huh? Well, I'm excited, Travis. We're um, uh, Sean and Emma from uh, the Community Broadband Bits team are coming with me on Sunday to go to uh, Gila River Reservation, south of Phoenix. And Travis, you're going to be coming up. I'm excited to see you there and really excited that you're going to share some of your expertise with folks. Well, maybe. I might end up being in San Diego, but I'll keep you posted. Okay. Things, well, things are fluid right now. Let's. Yes. All right. I'll call your parents later and see if they can nudge you in the better direction. Yes. yes. Amen. <laughs> Uh, so the topic I wanted to cover toot sweet quick is I, I wrote a rant down. Um, I ranted in my brain and on my keyboard for hours upon hours on Friday night. And, uh, Sean and Rye helped me turn that into a usable post with a Top Gun Maverick reference and a hilarious reference to how the mob does business. And, um, it's all about how the January 13th deadline was a mirage and Joan Engebritson, I thought had the definitive take on it, uh, from telecompetitor. She, um, released a, a story on the 13th, actually noting that yes, in fact, the deadline had been October 30th and no one knew about it. Although the state of Ohio apparently knew about it and a few others. Um, so, uh, the whole thing that we were talking about last time, yeah, NTIA and FCC basically fudged what the deadline was, in, what it was about, and um, was. I just find it incredibly frustrating. So I don't know if we want to say anything else about uh, the what's happening there, but I feel like we're going to try and track numbers to figure out how many of these challenges are being accepted versus rejected. 
Well, the topic here, and I will say something, the topic is not mapping. The topic is those two federal agencies were completely untruthful to folks. And, and they were holding webinars right up to the week of that, of that date, telling people to get their stuff in and why it mattered. So I, I don't understand their motivation for doing that. Yeah, I would no, I, just like to say, as a good government employee, I'm very proud of other government um, entities and how well we really work. Um, it, like, there's a reason that government is made fun of all the time of how we can't be effective and how we can't really make things happen <coughs> when you see things like this in the news and th that are happening every day. It's kind of it's a little it's a little disheartening, if to say the least. Yeah, no, and I and I know several of the people who have moved over to NTIA. Um, I have no idea always what their portfolio is, but um, sometimes I wonder if there's incompetence involved. But I I I'd really like to know what the decision was made to just never be clear. I shouldn't say never. There were some cases in which NTIA was clear about the distinction here and there when we went back and tried to review a lot of documents and webinars and things like that. But for the most part, they weren't. FCC was almost never clear in my recollection of our review. I mean, when I say our review, I should say Rye, Christine, other members of my team doing the real work that I then talk about. Um, so I, just very disappointed. My, my take on the NTIA is they didn't want to dissuade people from making the challenges because they hope by the end of the year that the maps are good. That, that's my guess. Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, they didn't really talk up that 13th date like the FCC did. So. so one of the things that I would say that's come out of it as I've given this a lot of thought over the weekend rather than, I don't know, doing home improvement um, or other fun things, I, um, is that I think it's really important that states do start developing their own data and developing their own maps. And one of the things that states can do is to say, hey, ISPs, we need your availability data, the actual speeds that you deliver to homes. And if we find that you are engaging in a repeated pattern of mispractice and lying, we're not going to give you any money to expand. We have we have the money now. We're the ones deciding who we're granting it to. And if you don't play ball with us, you don't get any money. And I feel like that could be a decent hook to actually get some decent data. The FCC is not willing to do that. And I'd love to see states do it. There's a few states who might do that. Yeah. And then similarly, beyond that, even with the challenge process, if states if states are lying in their challenge processes, not if states, if a company is lying repeatedly to deny grants to an area that needs it, that company should be fined, I think. And I've heard one suggestion from Bill Coleman um, that uh, the fine should be commensurate with the cost of connecting the home. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> it would be a one-to-one. -one. You lie about, a, about, a, about a, a homes, not just one or two homes where you can make an error, but if you systematically lie, uh, then you pay the cost of connecting them. It's, it's symmetrical. I love it. Minnesota actually has a decent role. If you challenge and you're deceptive in your challenge, they ban you from making any challenges for six months. Oh, it was two years, I thought, originally in the legislation. They might have accrued it two years, but it used to be six months. But yeah. yeah, and then and the other one that we talk about is Colorado, um, where Colorado um, and Park of CenturyLink had gamed, a, gamed one to basically deny a small provider that was getting their first ever grant, one that they worked very hard on. We actually have a Community Broadband Bits podcast with this, the guys from Real Networks in the town of Ridgeway, Colorado. They, um, <laughs> the story that they tell is amazing. And... Um, they uh, they basically centrally got the grant and then didn't really do anything. And so Colorado changed their law to their credit. And so if you challenge a grant in Colorado under their program, you have to meet the terms. So you can't just be like, actually, we'll upgrade our DSL and it'll be cheaper. If they come in and say, we're going to do fiber optics for 60 bucks a month 
you have to meet that if you're going to deny that, uh, if you're going to challenge that award. And so that's a good set. And I would combine those two to have a good set of challenges to really benefit people. So it's, it's really funny that I was just in Ridgeway, Colorado. Thanks for um, knowing that. Oh, yeah. Did they have good day. Internet access? No, no. Terrible. <laughs> So, so CenturyLink got the money and like one of the, so like this gives you an idea, right? The board that made the decision, if I recall correctly, it was a limited board because they had a snowstorm though that night and a bunch of people couldn't make it. And I think it was the more technical people who couldn't make it. And so they made this decision about this award. One of the reasons that they gave it to CenturyLink is because CenturyLink said they were covering more premises just because they counted differently. They were both covering all the premises in town. <laughs> just, you know, Wait a minute. This is almost a rant, Travis. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting, close. getting close. We need a, a little, a little something extra, but we're gonna have to wait for it. Um, uh, I do want to talk uh, throughout this episode about what's next for urban communities. Uh, majority of Americans are not going to see much from Bead, and I feel like at some point someone's going to start to notice that, aside from us, and and be curious about what we're going to be doing. And so I want to talk about that throughout. Um, but for now, and this is actually quite relevant for our, our first guest, repeat guest, Shana Englin with um, CCF, the California Community Foundation, uh, which is uh, focused on L.A. County. And Shana has been doing great work to figure out how to make sure that we actually connect people. They have good connections that they can use and that they're able to really use them. Um, but we're asking Shana to come on today uh, to talk about the priority areas of California, which um, I don't know. It didn't look to me like it was a very balanced priority uh, from what I saw. So, Shana, what, what is the priority areas that the California Public Utilities Commission, what Shana will refer to as CPUC? Uh, what is that? What's going on with all this? Thanks, Chris. And as I was uh, waiting to come on, I heard someone talk about we were getting close to a rant. And uh, if what you want is a rant, I am here for that because this is uh, <laughs> this is rant worthy. Um, right, we so, pay uh, extra. We pay extra if you can get Chris to rant. We love you. Yeah, rant yeah. Also. Oh, I'm pretty sure I can get Chris ranting on this. Okay. Um, and and hello, Doug. Good to see you. <laughs> um, so uh, so the priority area maps. Uh, just quick context. Whatever I. 15 months ago now, um, California passed Senate Bill 156, which was a $6.5 billion investment in broadband infrastructure to close the digital divide and get the put, put resources behind the state's commitments uh, around their broadband for all plan. Um, and that involved $3.25 billion on a statewide open access middle mile network. It involved uh, 0.75, so $750 million on what they called local agency technical assistance grants, which were essentially planning grants for communities and other public agencies um, to really be prepared to apply for funding from the last pot of money, which was $2 billion, split evenly between urban and rural counties um, to build out last mile connections. And there were incentives within that for connecting to the middle mile network, for serving unserved and underserved communities, um, and for hitting the 120 instead of a 25-3 threshold, and a bunch of other things to try to um, kind of incentivize really fiber builds. Um, Can I jump in for a second, Shana? Yeah, go ahead. Just just to give people a sense, because I'm, I'm constantly amazed by this, but California's got like 40 million people. It's got like one in eight people of the United States. It's massive. Of those 40 million people, 10 million of them live in Los Angeles County. Um, I don't know what, probably like seven or eight million. How many live in Marin and up in the in the North Bay area there? I don't, um, but like a lot of them. 
a lot of them, uh, less of them than in uh, in LA County, but right, a lot, but of a them. ton. And then and then you've got forty rural counties, and those are ones that um, are working together with a group called RCRC, the Rural County Representatives of California. They're working with Kim uh, in Utopia. Uh, they've brought Kim in Utopia to to do some advising on their plan. They've got like five or six million people, I think, spread across forty counties that are as like almost as big as I don't know the rest of the United States. Like just an enormous amount of land with mountains and deserts and and crazy stuff. So when we're talking about California, you're talking about like basically the entire United States. You've got some of the most rural areas. You've got some of the most dense areas. You got everything there. You got poor, you got rich. So just to give people a, a reminder of quick geography. Even in L.A. County, uh, L.A. County right. is alone is bigger than 44 other states um, in by population, by budget all of it, um, and also has every single kind of geography. I'm working with Doug on uh, some very, very rural parts of the county, um, working on the, obviously, what people think of, I think, as LA is very, very urban communities. Um, so yes, when we say California or Los Angeles, we are, think about, don't think about a state or a county, think about like a country, because that's really the scale at which we're working um, here. And as, as Kim knows, uh, RCRC, we, we partner quite a bit with the folks at RCRC and that scale is kind of different, but yeah, massive. Um, so yeah, so the priority area maps, um, speaking of partnering, I don't know that the RCRC is any happier than LA County is on this. So that should give an indication of why it might be rant worthy. Um, but so the the kind of last thing we were waiting for uh, for the CPUC to get done in order to release applications and start deploying this two billion dollars in last mile funding was what they called priority area maps, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It was supposed to be a review of uh, the state's need by a bunch of different metrics. It was served and unserved, underserved. Um, you know, economically disadvantaged, their kind of environmental justice communities, uh, all, all kinds of things. Um, so it was supposed to basically be a definition of need that was pretty expansive, um, identifying the areas that were most in need. And again, um, including where, where are the most people and the highest percentage of people who do not have broadband at home um, for the wide variety of reasons that we just talked about. Um, and then that priority areas map, most of that $2 billion was going to be prioritized um, in the areas that they included in this map. Um, so with great fanfare, we were expecting great fanfare around this map. Um, it was released instead with very little fanfare on initially kind of soft released on Christmas Eve and then officially released on New Year's Eve, and then uh, kind of publicly released in an email about a week later. And the reason there's not a lot of fanfare is because the maps are kind of wonky. So if you look at the priority areas, um, the priority areas in the state are very, very heavily weighted to the very wealthy um, homeowning. So most of Californians are renters. Most of the residences within the priority areas are single family owned homes. Um, and uh, to the communities that actually have some of the highest uh, percentages of um, of uh, connectivity. So you want to yeah, walk us real quick? Sure. So uh, if you want to zoom in, just because I'm sitting in LA and this is where I actually have the most data on hand. So if you zoom into LA County, 
a couple of things you'll it. notice very quickly. There you are. Um, it's not very colorful. LA is a very colorful place. It's not super colorful. And not very colorful. So um, as you can imagine, most people live in that center part of LA. Um, setting aside this is where the traffic that is. North, that, that's where everyone lives. Um, if you kind of look at that north part of the county, so Palmdale in, is the city that you can see there. So that is the very rural part of the county. It, it really does have um, very limited uh, existing infrastructure. Um, this is the part of the county that Doug and I are working together with the Community Coalition looking to create a co-op up there. Um, so that that's legitimate. That makes a ton of sense. Um, but if you look at the other areas that are priority in LA County, uh, let's zoom down to, if you look down by Torrance and you zoom into that like red splotch there, this is um, this is sort of emblematic of what the whole map looks like. So this is Rancho Palos Verdes. You can see it says Rancho Palos Verdes Estates and Rolling Hills Estates. And if you zoomed in a lot, you would see Terranea Resort, which is a resort that if you have somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,500 a night to spend um, to look at the ocean, uh, you can stay there. Um, this is one of the wealthiest communities in LA County. It is one of the um, highest percentage of homeownership. In fact, it's nearly impossible to actually rent in Rancho Palos Verdes. Um, it also is the has some of the highest percentage of connected. Again, as should not be a surprise. Um, it also has three different carriers that operate there. So it AT and T operates there, Cox Cable operates there, and Frontier operates there on a fiber network. And yet, there it is. <laughs> it is a priority where if you were to go just kind of right next to that to Long Beach, um, which is a, a more working class community, not prioritized, but has a very high percentage of renters, has some of the lowest income communities in LA, some of the communities that have the kind of highest propensity to communities of color and also some of the lowest connected. Um, and they have generally one carrier um, and that is charter spectrum. Um, and yet- Yeah, this seems like, I mean- And this is what the whole map looks like. Uh, so. But it's a, it's a surprise, right? I mean, I I rant about the FCC once or twice. Um, CPUC, I feel like, has been really better focused on this. Has not suffered from some of the some of the um, structural problems that the FCC has. I feel like, um, although AT and has long been powerful in California and whatnot, but I felt like the CPUC was trying to get this right in ways that we don't see the same sophistication from others. I guess I would I ask, right. why do you think it went wrong? Like, why do you think it went wrong this way, Shana? Um, I, uh, that is the million dollar question. <laughs> uh, so if I had to speculate uh, some, and just based on, we've obviously been doing a lot of work on this, had a bunch of conversations with folks at the PUC, with the legislative delegation, the governor's office, et cetera. I think there's kind of three things that happened here. Um, one is that uh, we, the PUC suffers as most to do as kind of conflating need with, do ISPs say they have existing infrastructure at given locations? And so instead of looking at the totality and really taking advantage of the opportunity to contemplate uh, kind of need in a much more broad way to actually direct resources to communities that are disconnected, um, they leaned heavily, if not exclusively, on ISP reports of where they have um, existing infrastructure. One, I think two is kind of the order of um, the order of how they looked at it. So they had all the options available to them 
for how to sort of order their screens of data, right? So they could have certainly existing infrastructure could have been a screen, but they could have first looked at what kind of percentage or how many people have a broadband subscription at home. They could have looked at crowdsourced data through kind of CalSpeed and MLab and Ookla and like kind of put things together to figure out what, what kind of people are actually trying to vector in on what, what people are actually using. They could have used the social vulnerability index, which they did use, but they only applied it after they'd already chosen the priority areas. Um, but instead what they did was they said, okay, we're gonna start with not even just like, is it, what's the speed is it? They said, we're gonna start as do ISPs say that they have um, infrastructure. We're going to completely exclude all fixed wireless technologies. So if you have a fixed wireless broadband subscription, you are in this map as not being served, um, like across the board. And, uh, and they kind of stopped there. Yeah, I mean, that's, so. it's, it's remarkable because it, it gives you a sense that what, what drives these processes is not a technological determination. It is um, basically about um, uh, who has political power and the idea that we are just not going to make a giant enemy out of charter by saying a lot of areas where they have 100% coverage have desperate need for something that will meet their needs. Um, because that's what I hear. I mean, there's better things in fixed wireless than some of these landlines in some of these places. So it doesn't make sense that they're they're qualifying these old copper DSL lines as served, but not a fixed wireless, which might not be the ultimate long-term solution, but is is delivering in a, a better quality product today. Than yeah, I mean, the other well, I, sh I should say, I think DSL was also as a, as a technology okay. kind of categorically. Remote. Right, but if you um, plunk me down, if you plunk me down and tell me I could choose between Cruise IO, um, who we've had on this show before, uh, you know, their wireless service in Santa Cruz area, or Charter in in the LA area, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I will take the slower speed for a service that works all the time and actually gives me that, like you know, like the the advertised max, uh, and it's just a well-run network over what Charter well, delivers from what I've seen. This is the thing. The thing that I think is problematic about that is I could again imagine that the PU would see you say, okay, like we're going to take an an extra look at the areas that are served by fixed wireless. Right. And actually kind of look at the other data around that, like reliability data, et cetera, and say, OK, well, in these areas like Santa Cruz, for example, or in Palisades and Malibu and uh, in uh, Montecito, everybody should be very relieved that Oprah and Harry and Megan are uh, our priority for publicly subsidized broadband infrastructure um, because probably they either have a private service or it's fixed wireless. And so the PUC could have said, all right, we're gonna take a special look at fixed wireless and like run some additional screens on that. Sure, fair enough, um, but that's not what they did. And I think, you know, the kind of third thing that uh, I think as advocates and people working in this space that I've been really contemplating about is I think some of this is a result of we have maybe done a disservice by always talking about the kind of three legs of the digital equity stool um, as completely distinct, right? Like we talk about access, we talk about adoption, and we usually put like affordability in that. And then we talk about like literacy and devices, like literacy and devices, sure, but those, those are, are potentially separate. But the reality is, is that adoption and access are not totally distinct. If you have an area that only has one provider, 
that's likely to be more expensive. It's likely to be less reliable, especially in income communities. And so those two things are linked. And I think, um, you know, part of what happened here was um, the PUC was, I don't want to uh, like allowed to or sort of followed the lead or just sort of path of least resistance of saying, oh, this is an access question. An access question is totally separate from the subscription and adoption question, but that's where we're going to focus. So again, kind of thinking about um, ways that we should probably contemplate that differently. And that's got to be it because maps. one would have hoped a government agency like the CPUC would have just looked at that map and the commissioners and it would have gone to the people who put it together and said, get your ass back in the room and do this right because this is crap. Like we, we are not giving money to the richest communities here in the state. What the hell are you guys doing? And they didn't, they accepted it. That's my, that's the, it's, it's one thing that they, if they did what you said and they followed the access issue, that's fine. But to call that a priority area was a policy decision and the commissioners voted on that. They had this map put in front of them and they instantly knew what it did. They instantly, I, I've, I've lived in California. They took one look and they went, my God, you're giving money to them. I mean, that's, you know, and they didn't Doug. stop that. Yeah. Doug, Doug, Doug. It's Harry has only sold a million books, so he still needs some um, federal or some state subsidies for his broadband. Not enough to really uh, cover his broadband. Well, I mean, I understand I Oprah needs fiber, but you know, she could <laughs> she could buy a fiber network to come to her house. I mean, do you know who else apparently needs statewide uh, or state subsidized taxpayer subsidized broadband infrastructure is Pebble Beach Golf Club, the Rich Carlton oh, at Half Moon Bay, and the golf communities around that. They also are in desperate need of public. Yeah, no, I was, I was saying fiber, fiber to the seventh hole. I'm all for it. Fiber. To yeah, the I was, I was saying you, you can tell that they're <laughs> struggling economically because of how low the taxes are that they pay. Um, you know, if if they were really thriving, they'd have a much higher tax bill um, on their properties. Great inside California taxation joke. Um, you know, I just want to say one other <laughs> thing about this, which is that the um, the the frustration I have with this in part is that. There's this like the idea, um, whether it's CPUC um, or FCC and other places, that uh, these cable companies they offer a service, right? Well, a friend of mine who uh, I met, um, who was a contractor, ended up doing a lot of work with, and just really, really hit it off. Um, and we're talking one day, and he was talking about how, um, all, with his family, their credit that they get, um, they use basically his wife's credit or his partner's credit. I think they weren't actually married yet. Um, and one of the reasons they were doing that for like buying the home and other stuff was because he had had his credit ruined. And I think it was by a telecommunications company. It might have been one of the big banks, but it's one of those things where like they screwed up. And like and messed up his bank his bank um, account, and then like he missed some uh, some debt payments or things like that because he didn't have the right amount in his checking account. Right, none of this was his fault, but like getting it reversed and dealing with it. And the reaction a person has to that sort of thing is like, I'm never going to deal with this company again. And that's what you see. And it's not idiosyncratic in Baltimore, Detroit, Memphis, Los Angeles. You know, like this thing happens to tens of thousands of people where they get screwed by the cable company, and then like I never want to do business with this company again and i feel like if it was three people all right we're like suck it up you got to deal with it you know like you know i'm sure you don't like department of, of water and power maybe because of something they did but like they're a monopoly but like this is happening to tens of thousands of people <laughs> you know like it's a real thing and and these companies aren't legitimate in that way and like we can't just treat them like they are a utility so but you know chris you know how the fcc solved this problem under Agit Pi, they eliminated the complaint process. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make a complaint to the FCC about an ISP anymore. 
They do not even accept them. They, I mean, they shut down their portal. If you send them one, they just forward it to the ISP with, and the ISP is not even required to read it. So. Yeah. Uh, any <laughs> any last words, Shana? I think the piece that also just kind of, again, connects back to a little bit some of the very appropriate ranting around the FCC is, um, so I just, I sent you a link to a map that uh, our partners at the city of LA did, it's statewide, um, and it does two things. It takes the uh, CPC priority areas, those are in green, and it has a heat map of the um, population without a broadband subscription at home. Um, and you would expect that for a program whose intended purpose is to connect people who are disconnected, that the overlap um, looks like maybe, there you go. So the green areas are um, our priority areas eligible for funding. You would think that the overlap of the green areas and the heat map, <laughs> the bright red of where people don't have broadband would overlap pretty They're closely. They're almost exactly the opposite. Right? And in this is true in LA. It's also true in basically every other urban area, even in like the, the less urban areas, the less urban parts of the states, so like in the Central Valley, if you look at Fresno, like you can kind of see there, right? The heat map in Fresno of uh, who has service and who's prioritized. As soon as you get into anything that looks even sort of dense, the areas of highest need are completely left out. And in this, the Fresno, in, the Fresno example is again very similar to the LA examples. If you look at kind of that section on the right there, that's quite. It's like I don't want to really kind of rural, but it's that's um, not dense. <laughs> those are where the sort of like large properties, higher income, like that's where those people live, and uh, they're prioritized. But the kind of urban poor are 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 not. And like and I think also the other thing to keep in mind is that priority is a misnomer here. Because if you are in a priority area, you are eligible to apply for funding. If you're not, you're not. So this isn't priority, this is eligible. Um, and again, right. so, you would think so that there would be perfect overlap between or close to it between hotspots of where you don't have coverage, where you don't have access and subscriptions and priority areas for investment and lost mile connectivity. And it's almost the opposite. And I it's want to a, add a fourth reason to your list because it's fairly obvious that the cable companies got to somebody. But let's be serious here. The uh, and as we go back, we we'll remember that by statute, the money to be invested in California out of this pot is to be split between urban and rural areas. And so, you know, the county of Los Angeles, as they're looking at this, is like, all right, do we go for zero dollars or do we? I mean, obviously, there's the northern parts, but but you know, to say, are we going to go for money to connect golf clubs and and try to answer questions from the populace as to why we're not connecting areas that desperately need it? Um, it's it presents local leaders with a real challenge there. Uh, Shana, how much money were we talking about again? I missed. I forgot that part. Two billion uh, split. Billion? Yeah, with a B. B. Doug, how many? Kim, how many people can we hook up for two billion dollars? Um, it depends on how rural it is, because there's a lot of places of California. I've actually gotten lost in some of them. Going, wow! I people talk about rural California, and then when you get lost in it, you're like, wow! They have no connectivity to some of these places. I was on the way back to the. All right, so, uh, all right, all right Kim, yeah. we're going to give you a billion yeah, and you have to spend it in LA County. How many people can you hook up? You know, we probably could hook up a, a tad, a few, just a few. Uh, 
I'm going three hundred thousand to start, and then we'll I'd take, say I'd say two to three hundred thousand. Yeah, and we'll yeah. take that three hundred thousand, and we'll use uh, what, what's our margin on that? Well, let's, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's be clear: two to three hundred thousand premises, right? So yes. you know, on the order of six hundred, seven hundred thousand people, yeah, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand people. Yeah, we'll get fifty percent. So okay, let's go six hundred thousand passings. We'll get three hundred thousand people. What's our ARPU on that? Sixty-two bucks a month, seventy bucks a month. We'll use that money to wire up the rest. All right. When do we start, Shane? How do we get the cash? We can't get the cash. Haven't you been listening for a minute? Can't get the cash. The area isn't needed. Don't get any cash, Travis. No, but oh, I mean, what, Travis. Welcome back to the podcast. While while we're <laughs> I'm, on, yeah. I'm on fixed wireless here, so I only get every little bit of of uh, the conversation. Okay. So. No, but Travis, uh, this is a a very serious conversation. That if you want to do it live to go through some of the numbers and talk about it, I think it would be fun to go why, through. And I bet why, Shane would be up this, for it. Why is this so complicated? It's not. It's and, and obviously why it's it complicated everywhere. It is complicated, Travis, because Charter, AT&T, Frontier, and the others, they have a ton of money in the elected process. And, and now to understand, the system, to understand the system, we have to go further, right? Which is to say that um, – because I feel like that's where some critiques left leave off. But also, like, there's a bunch of people like me and others that have retirement that's bound up in those companies. And so there's a lot of people that want to make sure that those companies do well. And so if California and the FCC were to say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make sure that companies that have screwed over rural areas and we're going to make sure the companies that refuse to invest in rural areas are not the ones that get this money. Their stock prices would start to go down and there would be a freak out among elected officials. And then they would fix that because they would not want to deal with the consequences of being accused of having tanked the, pro the stock price of these companies and ruined people's retirements and all this other stuff. So it's not just that they're bad people necessarily. It's the system that we have designed is set up to screw us. Travis, check mark number one. We got our economics discussion. It's not I possible to do this without an economics discussion. Yeah, I, from, thank you, Chris. I thought, there was, I thought there was a rant. <laughs> no, all right. So, I was, I was, that was rant light. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to take the bait. Yet. I'm, I'm saving it. Go ahead, Travis. You got to finish up because we got to go on to our next guest. Okay, real quick. So, so what I would do then is I would take that little fancy neighborhood that they have. I would wire it up. I'd get 80% market share. I'd take the revenue from that and I'd keep moving east into the areas. Do it. You know, everyone thinks this is the problem I have with all these conversations. You're not going to solve it day one, but solve something. Take the revenue and keep moving into areas. Just like you and I have talked, Chris. So you, you think the city of L.A. should go after a grant to bring fiber to Oprah's house? Well, because you're gonna because you're gonna get that revenue. See, I'm I'm hunting revenue to sustain. No, they're no, they're, they're going to give the money to charter. They're not, and the money's not going to so get reinvested. Not, anyway. not for nothing, oh. Travis. So I, this is I, I will end here, which is to say, this is one of the ways that I think uh, L.A. being so massive. Uh, probably hurts us in some of these conversations because yes. here's here's part of the thing what you what you're pointing out would make great sense if say rancho palos verdes was in the city of la it's not it's its own city all it's of those high need areas are almost all of the, those high need areas are actually in the city of la so hmm. someone probably charter is uh or probably charter actually because they have the smallest footprint in rpd um will get money to build a fourth option 
for those uh, for that wealthy community. They will take that money. They're not going to invest it in going east. And then you have the city of LA and all the kind of smaller cities that serve South LA. And then that, like, again, that big red bubble of need. Um, those cities, there's no, there are none of those options, right? Like, even if that was something that they could do, they can't in this priority map because there is no green area that they can get funding for on this map. Okay. Um, but let's so. let's wrap this up with with this, which is that what I really like about the work that Shane is doing with CCF is that I feel like this is not a sort of like, oh, we're screwed. Let's document it. Let's whine about it. They're looking for ways to move forward. And I think groups like Connect Humanity, uh, which I'm on the advisory board for and I'm super bullish on, are trying to figure out how to put capital stacks together to enable interesting partnerships like you're talking about, Travis, to then work with ISPs that do want to reinvest that money and move east. So that's uh, that's a hope. That's something that we'll continue to cover on here uh, and talk more about. So thank you, Shana. Wonderful discussion as always. Really appreciate it. We're going to move on to Jeff Wiggins, who falls into the gaps between some of these places. Uh, Jeff is someone that I know of. I uh, met on Twitter originally. I think you're on Mastodon now and probably doing yes. a little bit of both like with like the rest of us. Yep. Um Jeff, why don't we just get a sense of, you know, in, in sort of like 90 seconds, tell us just like what your situation is with internet access. So it's been a real wild ride. Um, just going way back, um, I grew up in a, 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 a suburb of Akron, Ohio, which was actually the test market for uh, Time Warner's Roadrunner service, one of the early uh, uh, broadband cable services. And uh, when I moved to, uh, to to Columbus, Ohio, that was something that was uh, sort of uh, uh, growing and, and had been established here. So I had always been an early adopter and a user of broadband services going uh, way back. And starting in, in 2015, um, I moved to Licking County, Ohio. Now, Licking County, Ohio is the next county east from Franklin, which is where Columbus, Ohio is the majority of. So I'm not too far away from civilization. Uh, living. You call Columbus Africa. civilization? I, I don't uh, know. It, it depends on how you look at it, I suppose. In, in terms of, uh, I mean, it, it, we've got Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus. <laughs> I mean, one of them's got to be civilization, I'm sure. I'll take all of them without Ohio State. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna make all your neighbors mad. You're, you're oh, talking. No. It's called, it's called the Ohio State, Christopher. <laughs> the yes. Ohio State University. Yeah, you're, you're talking so, to two Big Ten folks who do not really like Ohio. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. I like. A, let's just also be clear. Doug's considering Maryland to be part of the Big Ten. So, <laughs> oh, when did that happen? Oh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, so living here in Looking County, I mean, I, I still was. Uh, uh, I'm not currently. I'm working at home now, but at the time, I was commuting back and forth to Columbus. And when I purchased the house out here in Looking County, we kind of wanted to be out of the city. Um, I grew up in the suburbs. I really wasn't a city person to begin with. Um, we, we purchased the house before we went to closing, we, uh, contacted our, our broadband providers. You know, the first thing you do is you call the electric company and say, we're closing on this date session <laughs> on the following. Um, and you do that with the same thing with the gas company you do. And, you know, you go through that routine, right? And we called the, the, the cable company to have our cable installed. And we also called uh, CenturyLink to have, um, DSL installed. And so, um, 
We went, everything was set up. We had our appointments. Everything was going swimmingly. We go to our closing. We sign all the paperwork. We're, we're great. We're new homeowners. You know, this is super exciting. Or we got the house of our dreams in the country. We got our keys, came out to the house. And, um, you know, the day that we had uh, scheduled um, both providers to come out and do their installation, they both showed up in the driveway and said, we've got bad news. There's no service here. So, um, and let's I just pause to, there for one second. Okay. Yeah. Because like, this is one of the things that I think is sort of important to understand. They don't send techs out unless they think they can do it, right? It's not like they're right. being cynical about it. They legitimately have no idea what they're doing running their business, right? They had, they, right. They had no idea there wasn't service there. It's it's really funny that you mentioned that because when CenturyLink sent their technician out, they had previously, before the technician came, mailed me the welcome packet with the DSL modem and all of the supplies and all the hardware that, were, that, that go along with doing the on-site install, right? So I, I had that stuff here. And because our address was not serviced and he came out and showed up and, and noticed that the, the address wasn't serviced, of course, they corrected their system right away. And I couldn't return their hardware to them because at that point I was an unserved customer. So I still have it sitting over here in the corner somewhere. So, you know, that was my first foray into this. I had no idea, um, you know, having come from the, the background that I did with the Roadrunner service in Akron. And, and I, I didn't know that this rural broadband issue existed. And this was my introduction to it. So, of course, we turned to... Um, uh, uh, Time Warner, now Spectrum, um, was the other provider who was actually going to do the cable service. And they also had us listed as a serviceable address. And I thought, well, you know what? Cable's going to be better than DSL anyway. Why didn't we do that in the first place? So they too sent a technician out and came to find out that there's no wire on the pole. So that's two providers that had our address wrong in their own databases. Now, these are the people who were informing the, the FCC broadband maps, right? They don't even know where their own service is. So um, obviously, I'm in a panic. I work in IT. Um, and it's very important. I, you know, I'm, I'm 24 hours on call, so I have to have access to my computer. I have to have something to, to be able to do my work. So I'm trying to do everything that I can to get some service here. So of course, I'm trying to twist the arm of then Time Warner, who was giving me, you know, a quote. I think I, I wrote it down here is $31,885 to go the 900 feet. So I have Spectrum 900 feet to the north. I have CenturyLink about a quarter mile to the south. So what's that? About 1,300 feet. And here I am in a cluster of houses in the middle with no provider whatsoever. So, um, but if you had fixed wireless, you still wouldn't have service. <laughs> but if I had fixed wireless, I would, well, I'll get to that. Trust me. No, I know. I know we're going there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, what's the, the other alternative? So right about the same time that all this was taking place, of course, the Time Warner quote, I mean, I'm not going to pay $31,000 for them to run uh, infrastructure down the street, not to mention they would have to work with the energy co-op to get pull permits. The energy co-op wasn't too thrilled about this whole thing. Every, all their infrastructure was underground. It was behind houses. They had no idea how they were going to get it here. So we kind of figured that was a non-starter. So we went on to explore and I said, well, there Actually, is... Actually, hold on. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to yeah. keep jumping in for a second. No, Doug, I'm curious if... Do you think if he had written that, written that, written that check, that Time Warner Cable would have... Uh, or that charter would have done it? I think they would have said, you know no, what? We decided, no, no, we're not going to do it. No, they would have sent a guy out and go, oh, I'm sorry. We made a mistake. This is really $87,000. I think they made the quote based upon the map is what I think. Yeah. Yeah, so just to be clear, that happened because we've seen people that have been like, I tried to write the check and it still didn't work. Do you work. know how, ma how many people I get? Like, I mean, I probably get like five of these a week of people who are outside our territory and our engineers like say, how much is it going to cost? Do we want to go there or do we not? Um, that are not cities. I get this all the time. I mean, right. it's, it's not just comp or charter or whatever, it's, but it's who makes the decision and who actually makes it happen. But you would so quote them a good. fair price. Oh yeah, we don't we don't make any money on it. It's break right. even cost for us. Right. 
-hmm. or if it makes sense or it gives us a route, we'll build it. But it's not like to the one home that costs $50,000. Are we going to build it? Right. Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, You know, the interesting thing about it is I'm in a neighborhood that uh, it's, you know, I say it's rural looking County, Ohio, but really we're not that big. I mean, the large lots around here, there are far, there is farmland around here, but typically the residential lots in this neighborhood are, are, are between two and five acres. So yes, much larger than you would see in an urban city environment not as large as you would see in a truly rural area where the houses are, are, are very far spaced apart. So I looked at another alternative and we had a statewide uh, fixed wireless network that was deployed back in 2013. Um, it was Agile Networks. They had made a deal with the state government to utilize the, the Marks Towers. Those are the multi-agency uh, radio towers that are used by like the state highway patrol, uh, the EMA, for coordination during emergency events. They have those towers in place so they can use a single uh, unified radio system across all of the, the emergency agencies. So they had make the, made this fixed wireless deal uh, to deploy um, fixed wireless in all 88 counties. And part of the deal was they were going to be the internet provider to all of the state agencies and offices, Wayne National Forest, which is federal, and all of those places using this fixed wireless system. And part of the bargain that they were getting for utilizing those Marks Towers at, uh, that were government-owned towers um, was they were also going to be providing home and business internet service through that. So I reached out to contact them, and I have a tower that's a Marks Tower that's line of sight from my home. I thought, oh, this is great, right? Turns out that their equipment is oriented 180 degrees away from here, and they had no desire to put any equipment that was oriented 180 degrees this direction. So that was another strikeout. So here we are. We just got this new home, and we've got no service whatsoever. So, you know, we're we're trying to do the 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 4G hotspots. We're trying to do all of the things that 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 can try to keep things running. We went through an iteration where I don't know if you guys remember the, the the Karma Mobility when they spun up the MVNO that was going to be the, you know the savior of, of home internet, um, and that business model didn't work. So we ended up having that for a few months, and then it went away. Well, what, uh, what was it? What was yeah. the name of that? Uh, name Karma of it? Karma Mobility. They were a MVNO that's that's that my list here. Okay, Karma Mobility. Okay, thank you. Yeah, they 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 spun up. I have up a question and, for you, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. On the like MLS, I mean, maybe this is an like idiotic question. Do they have what services you can get for internet? And did it serve say anything on the MLS listing or not? Yeah, so it listed because uh, the CenturyLink was a provider here. Um, they listed CenturyLink, and um, I don't know if Time Warner at the time was listed. I would have to go back and look. I know CenturyLink was listed. The previous owner of the house um, had HughesNet which should have been a big clue to me when I saw the giant dish on the side of the house. I'd never crossed my mind. Of course, this was my first experience with this problem, right? I thought, well, maybe the guy really likes his satellite. So um, <laughs> I, I didn't really explore it. And of course, you know, in the, the listing, it said that this was um, provided. And of course, we took it for face value because, I mean, we don't have water. We don't have sewer. I mean, we're well and septic out here. I get that. So we know we're not going to have all of the, the amenities, but um, that was one that, that we didn't expect. And because uh, CenturyLink was stating that they provided service here, everybody took it for, for, for granted that they did. Mm-hmm. So we went through a series of those MVNOs and we tried to do the, the, the 4G hotspots. That got us by uh, for a couple of years. You know, We were never uh, a streaming household. We were never doing anything other than basically paying the bills and things. Um, and then uh, uh, COVID came around and we actually had a hotspot that was issued by our school district. So that our son was able to do his work um, at home when when the schools were closed. And so we kind of muddled along and made it through. 
Um, we st I still stayed after CenturyLink, and I've still stayed after uh, Spectrum to no avail. It's still not a, a service that's offered. Then something interesting happened uh, during COVID. Uh, we got a notification that uh, T-Mobile that was now providing their fixed wireless home internet services this. And so this is, um, we're, we're now fast forwarding up to, to 2020. And in 2020, we, we, we were able to get the, the, we signed up for the T-Mobile internet service and it was, it, was, it was absolutely a godsend. They sent us a little trash can in the mail, we plug it in, suddenly we've got internet and it was working beautifully. Um, so we were then a connected household, and I thought this is this is fantastic. I, I you know, all this uh, what I call uh, armchair activism paid off. I, I mean, I'm not actively out there campaigning, but I'm not afraid to voice my opinion about our internet providers in the area. Um, and, and we were able to get something that worked here. Um, we used it through uh, uh, the COVID times, and then come uh, uh, beginning of 2022, something more interesting happened. There was a certain guy in a certain jet called Air Force One flew out here and gave a presentation about the thousand acres of empty farmland east of Columbus, Ohio, where Intel's gonna put a plant. That's six miles from here. So we got this sudden influx of interest in this area and we're thinking, oh, well now we've got, you know, we've got our T-Mobile fixed wireless. We may be able to get uh, uh, fiber out here and um you know things are going to start coming now that intel's building right down the street this is going to be great so that was beginning about right around february march of 2022 just last year well as oh, of October, just one second when did you buy the house was the question bought the answer. house in 20 in 2015 okay in 2015 Thanks. so that was the start of the story right um, so intel's coming it's so we're, we're back in the last year now right we're back into last year intel's coming intel's coming as of the beginning of last year and we're thinking we're going to get some infrastructure investment. Well, come about October of last year, our lovely T-Mobile service, which had been just wonderful. We went all in. We canceled our old Verizon cell phones. We went all in on T-Mobile. We had our T-Mobile lines. We had our T-Mobile home internet. It was working beautifully. We had a great signal. We had great speeds. Um, you know, I had, I had com speeds comparable to what I was seeing on wireline through uh, Wide Open Western Spectrum or one of the, 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 the other incumbent providers. And so I, ha I had very little to complain about. And then it started faltering come about October 1st. We couldn't figure out why. So I submitted a ticket in to find out what was going on. As it turns out, T-Mobile was going through turning down 3G. And as they were turning down 3G, they were doing tower consolidation, the Sprint T-Mobile merger that was supposed to make this access, you know, so much better. And was part of the reason that they spun up the, the home internet service, right? So what had happened was they were they had turned down the Sprint Tower. They decommissioned the Sprint Tower that was serving our area. So our T-Mobile service went completely berserk. And I said, well, are you planning to stand something else up? They said, well, we have a T-Mobile Tower that's adjacent to the Sprint Tower, which is why we shut the Sprint Tower down. But we reoriented the cell and bands on that tower 180 degrees away from your location. <laughs> Inexplicably. I mean, they didn't have an explanation for it. They said they would try an up tilt, try to get it working. It never did. Um, it got to the point where they actually bought our cell phones back. So we had uh, um, uh, Apple iPhones that we had gotten through T-Mobile when we uh, uh, signed up for the service. And they bought the phones back. Because they said, we don't plan to provide service to your area, so we'll, we'll take your hardware back and you guys can go find another provider. So we ended up having to switch to another cell provider. Interestingly enough, there was no other alternative for Internet. So it was either that T-Mobile uh, uh, home Internet or nothing. So I'm actually talking to you now on that T-Mobile Internet. The difference being 
unlike a cell phone that's in my pocket down in the basement or in the first floor of the house, I have a four by four MIMO antenna up on the roof that probably is violating my terms of service. So I probably shouldn't be admitting it, but hey, it is what it is. Um, hooked into my T-Mobile home internet, dialed directly in on the tower that's facing 180 degrees away. And as you know, it's winter in Ohio right now, so there's no leaves on the trees, so I get a great signal. Come about March, when those start to regrow, I'm probably going to be without internet again. Hey, Jeff, wow, so don't worry be... about it. Don't don't worry about it. We don't have any um, people who watch this show, so nobody's going to find out that you're... Uh, <laughs> okay. Doug, I think I think you got something to say, but I wanted to throw in quick that um, this is remarkable. But Jeff, I hope you know that uh, you're part of a corporate synergy. So I hope that makes it, you sleep a little bit better at night. Yes, I've been synergized and it's fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, I apologize. That was way more than 90 seconds, but there's just so much that we've been through and over the years. And just getting to this point where we actually had service and having it pulled out from under us was 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 absolutely incredible. And it's absolutely a part of that uh, corporate synergy because you know, reducing the dupl duplication of cellular towers for T-Mobile has been great for T-Mobile, not so great for me. Doug? Well, I'm going to just say I hear the same thing, Kim. I hear this story over and over and over and over, and, and folks move out. You know, the, the bad thing was that those two companies told him they had service. Mm -hmm. If he would have called them before he closed the house and asked, and they said, we're not covered there, you probably wouldn't have bought the house. And so right. that, that that's where the problem comes in. And, and, and Kim hit it right. Their maps probably show him as served, or at well, least the old I'm... maps did. What do the new maps show, Jeff? Did you want? That's so what I'm wondering. That's an interesting point because the new maps actually show that I'm serviced by. Oh, well, they call it Cincinnati Bell, um, <laughs> which is which is agile. Which is technology. a new player. Oh, that's agile. Well, uh, apparently, because when I, I've got it open here, I, I'll, I'll look very quickly. Um, Cincinnati Bell is what they're calling Agile Networks. So even though Agile says that this address is not serviced and Agile actually pulled out of that, I think they got forced out of that Marks agreement because it was under a previous uh, administration in the state. Um, I, I actually talked with the broadband office um, that Lieutenant Governor Husted uh, is the head of and, and talked to them about it. And they said, that, yeah, the Agile deal was kind of a raw deal and poorly executed by the previous administration. And it's not something that's going to be sticking around. So don't put a lot of stock in, in, in getting service from that. So I'm still listed as being serviced by them, even though even the state's turning their back on that as a service. Um, I'm still listed as uh, having T-Mobile service, um, which is marginal. What you do for some months? I, I, well, I do. I'm using it right now, except I have a $400 antenna that makes it go, right? <laughs> um, when it's not when it's not leaves on the trees. Right. We have, we're still listed as serviced by, uh, by of course, SpaceX, by Starlink, um, although you can't get it because uh, the entire state of Ohio is waitlisted for Starlink. So we're serviced by it, a service you can't get. Um, and then your, your, your regular, you know, your Biosat and your, and your Usenet that's everywhere. So we still have services listed. Um, interestingly, it's, it's, I don't have CenturyLink or Spectrum listed, which were the, the ones that previously said that they service the area. So it seems that that's been corrected. I did issue a challenge, of course, for Agile Networks. That was an easy one because they straight up say that they don't service this address, send them a screenshot, and that challenge is, is pending. Um, I also sent the the challenge for for um, uh, uh, the Starlink simply because you can't get it. I mean, it's it's great. They say it's coming in 2023. I don't call that serviced, although we may be serviced by that in the future. It's all on how you interpret that. Um, I'm leaving it to whoever at the SEC decides if that challenge is going to be successful. We'll see what happens. 
And then I challenged T-Mobile. The T-Mobile one was the interesting one because I actually have documentation from T-Mobile support from the T-Force team um, that says that, you know, we're not bringing service to your area. It's not happening. Um, and they bought my phones back. And I have that entire communication included that when I sent it over to the FCC and the challenge. And the challenge response was that it didn't fit the criteria. So they rejected that challenge and said that that doesn't fit the criteria, that this is a service issue. This is not a technology doesn't exist issue. I would argue on the contrary. If no, I can't it's a technology that, it's a, doesn't exist because it's not aimed at you. It doesn't exist. If it's not, the technology can exist and not be usable. I right. think there's an important delineation there. I mean, we can have a signal, but if you have to have a, a $400 MIMO antenna on your roof, and I happen just so happen to live on the top of the hill, the people at the bottom of the hill, they're not getting it. Um, I, I can't imagine that 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 my challenge doesn't fit the criteria there. So well, here's yeah, good news for you, Jeff. When Starlink finally turns up, they only accept X number of customers right. for for census track, and they won't tell us how many that is. So right. if your neighbors get it first, you'll still not be served. Well, right. I, I just very likely to know, get it for my. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I just want to know if uh, Starlink had the easiest way of doing the FCC map. Did they just go and say we cover everyone and like not it's, really it's, have to actually look at anything? It's it's really funny you mentioned that because of course you know the, uh, being an inquisitive person, I was looking for anomalies in the mapping because I'm like, why in the world is are is the entire state of Ohio saying that it's covered? If I zoom out, it's all blue. I'm like, that's I know that's not true. So I started looking around and I didn't see anything particularly in my neighborhood or even in Ohio that, that caught my eye as something that stood out. But because Starlink, HughesNet and Viasat all uh, say they service the, the world, um, there's actually an uninhabited island in Lake Huron that is listed as serviced on the FCC. <laughs> it, has, it has a, uh, a U.S. Forest Service uh, operated lighthouse on it that no one lives in. But uh, yeah, uh, so an unha uninhabited lighthouse actually has better service than my house in Licking County, Ohio, which is a little disappointing. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that's fair because, you know, lighthouses are important. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, we have a solution for you, and Travis is the one that can tell you this. You have a buddy who lives in another state, buy a Starlink, get the mobility one, the one you put on your camper, and drive it to your house and park it. Mm -hmm. Right. It'll work. It'll work. And I'm thinking that may, that may actually end up having to be our solution if the when the trees uh, the they'll bill you at the other address, and so they'll never know that. So yeah, that's what you need to do. Right. So I'll, I'll end up having you know a, a mobile Starlink dish sitting out in the yard for sure. Well, it, you'll be gray market. I mean, you're not completely legitimate there, but let's not tell anybody because again, yeah, no well, one's watching. My, this. My, I can tell you, my Mimo antenna <laughs> is not legitimate either, considering the what I had to do to poor T-Mobile's. Uh, well, uh, mobile. Travis, you got something quick, and then we got to move on. Well, this just highlights the importance of 13G, Mr. Mitchell. That will solve all of our problems. So yeah, we'll all have cancer and, and pass away, no doubt. Well, yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's not, and and don't get your hopes up on any of these wireless technologies. No. So uh, it would um, they're a your your T-Mobile story is very interesting, but it's it's a stopgap at best. So I I would highly promote. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. If 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 you can't get a cable there or a fiber there, it's a real somebody's tough. gonna somebody's gonna get a grant mm -hmm. and build your area. So yeah. the next well, that's four, this is years. literally. But, I mean, but that could, but it could be four or five years. So, but yeah. this is this is that rare case where it actually makes sense to have a line extension policy, perhaps yes. not in all the places where they're using it, but in this case, likely. Right. Well, but there's and there's millions of these cases. All these little yeah. places that are just off the edge of the networks. 
I think, you know, yeah. Because there are states that do that. There are states that are giving out slight amount of money, and then uh, <laughs> the cable company could come to all 12 of your houses on grant money, and it would be done. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Jim, last word. I think it just highlights what we all know. And I think it's a bigger problem. Jeff, you moved into your house in 2015, but all the people who did the mass exodus into some of these rural areas for better, um, like, you know, living circumstances or whatnot are now experiencing this because they didn't think about their broadband needs. So mm -hmm. I think you are just a very vocal case, but I'm seeing it across the country. Everywhere. that You're seeing these people who moved yeah. into these really nice mountainous towns. And then they're like, well, what about my connectivity? It's it's an afterthought, and we don't even think about that until you you're in those circumstances sure. and you don't have it. So, Jeff, uh, the other thing I would say is just that, like, I'm curious about your neighbors. Um, I submitted a challenge because uh, a wireless provider claimed to offer symmetrical gigabit to my address. I'm frankly not expecting to win on the availability challenge, but even if I did, all my neighbors would still show up as having gigabit symmetrical wireless, right? And well, so they'll just take you out of the map. Right. And so like, that's the thing is I just feel like this is a sign of like white mapping actually is important and getting it right. And you can't just sort of throw it out there and hope people like Jeff are going to like, are going to run out and fix the maps because you actually need everyone to do right. it. And we need to treat it seriously like a real problem. But Jeff has a real problem and they're not going to fix his map. That's yeah, why right. the maps will never be good. Damn it. You made me talk about yeah. maps. Yeah. <laughs> like, there goes Doug on the maps. Yeah. Chris, you touched on the truly frustrating thing about this. I mean, that's what we went through with RDOF, right? I mean, because our census block has a couple houses in it that are serviced, that they're considering this to be a serviced area. Uh, I, I'm going to be in the same circumstance through this, this round of, of mapping updates because I'm going to be that island. I mean, it, it's hard to quantify when you look at the map 900 feet. So, right. of course, my neighbors are going to show us service because they are. Um, so my neighbors to the south, they're going to show us service because they are. Now, let me tell you how much they love their DSL. That's another story. However, they are serviced, so they're going to show up as a green dot on the map. There's going to be a very small island here, and that's not going to be acknowledged because there's 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 no economy of scale in, in funding a, a build-out here. So we're right. going to perennially be the, the, the last mile. Our only hope is is if the our because we are on electrical co electrical cooperative. Our only hope is that the electrical cooperative starts to address some of these issues, and they've been talking about that. But there's never been any any motion toward actually moving into that space. It's a big risk for them, particularly with the incumbent providers sitting right on our borders. And with Intel now here, we mm -hmm. have no idea what's going to happen from a day to day basis, let alone multi year. So they're 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 not willing to make that investment. So it's going to be an interesting time for us. Well, thank you. Thank you much, Jeff. And uh, we're going to have to move on, but I really, yeah. it's been great to see you Thanks, and have you Jeff. on the show. Good Likewise. Luck. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good luck. Now the Intel fab, I'll note when I, um, uh, right before Christmas, my family and I went down to uh, Arizona and uh, checked out Tucson, which was cool, and Saguaro National Park, which is more amazing. And then we were driving north to Phoenix. We passed um, this fascinating area just south of Phoenix. I think it's on I-15, where there's like 100 cranes working. And we're like, what is that thing? Travis, did you pass that? No, I didn't see it. What was it? It's an Intel, they're, they're an Intel um, factory they're building down there. And like, I mean, it's just like, I don't even know how, I'd love to see the choreography of how they have so many damn cranes. Like, well, I've read about that factory. It's going to be like five square miles of floor space or some unbelievable wow, giant wow. number. Yeah. Yeah. North so keep an eye out for it because it's right around the Gila River Reservation, Travis. Okay. Hmm. That was an issue. Sorry. That, so, you know, you've been anti-line extension in a couple conversations in the past. Does that change your opinion? 
No, no. I think line extension makes sense in that case where you have a few people. But when you start doing a line extension in LeSueur County in Minnesota, where you have thousands of unserved addresses, that's super inefficient, right? I mean, I it, it, so you don't want to do that where you have a where you want to build a large cohesive network, especially where a good provider could do it. But if you've got three homes that are stuck between two things, like, yeah, makes sense then. I, I, you know what? I commend Jeff because I would have moved. That was so well, that me. that was one of his options. Is why don't I just sell this house and go sell yeah. it? Well, then how are you going to sell it when the next person comes in and goes, "Yeah, like well, internet." You don't, you don't that's tell the problem. Them, yeah, yeah. Like that's probably <clears throat> what happened the last time is that they didn't tell them the real truth of what was happening. That's why I asked the question on the MLS. And everybody is actually looking at broadband now when they're buying houses. So he might be screwed either way, right? Yeah. Like, can he even sell? Well, now he is. In 2015, he might have been able to bail. Now he can't. Okay, I want to move on to a couple of other topics we had on the rundown that we were running out of time for. One is Colorado. Um, Fierce Telecom article that I thought was pretty cool. Um, interview with Executive Director Brandy Ryder. Um, this um, had two main things I wanted to focus on. I mean, one is, one is just that how cool it is that the Front Range has like five municipal fiber networks of scale now. That's really cool. You got Longmont, Loveland, Estes Park, um, um, uh, Fort Collins, and is there four? Maybe there's four. And um, and then Loveland looks like they're going to be expanding into in the Larimer County, I think, around there. Um, big success. Um, they are explicitly um, allowing communities to build redundant fiber lines, and I thought that was kind of cool because a lot of states, I think, still are not willing to willing to pay grant funding to help bring a redundant fiber line to an area that already has one. And is that Middle Mile? Yes. So, I mean, like it is for last mile service, but a project might involve some of that, um, some of that as part of that, I think. I mean, I don't know yeah. exactly how it works, but yeah, federal grants absolutely don't let you do that. It's a real shame. Yeah. yeah and it's real hard when you're, in, when you're in some of these rugged environments um, where you have a cut, it could take days to fix. Um, and then the last one was just a note that um, even though the Colorado uh, law that prohibits communities from doing their own thing is, is kind of easy for cities to have a referendum, it's still thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to run that referendum. Two out of three uh, local jurisdictions in Colorado have not preempted them or reverse preempted themselves. And so they are apparently not able to really take part in the state program because that law, which was written by CenturyLink back in the day in 2005, um, basically limit. It's so vaguely worded that communities can't participate in the state program. So that was fascinating. Well, the, uh, the issue of the middle miles is an interesting one because when there's an existing fiber route, let's just say it's owned by CenturyLink, they're not going to let a muni ISP use it. So they're, for all practical purpose, there is no existing fiber out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the reality of it. They, they will absolutely not let you use that under any circumstances. So they you do, not help, they do not help you compete with them. So, yes. Travis? No, I said, you know how many times I've had the question of, well, there's just a fiber cable two blocks down. Why can't I use it? Like, you might as well assume it's not there. It's not yeah, there. that's what I tell people. Actually, I literally use those words. I'm like, I'm like, if it's there, but you don't have access to use it, it is not there. It does not matter. It might as well not yeah. exist. Like you well, can't go into like... your neighbor's house and use their bathroom. You know, it's the same thing. It's, it's not yours and you're never going to have access to it. Well, I have a friend who's very much like Jeff who has been complaining now for 10 years that he lives two blocks from a fiber. Yeah. He's never, ever going to get access to it. Yeah. Jim, <laughs> what's your fiber story, Jim? One, either it's a mainline fiber, which I used to get all the time when Utopia hadn't built out its original cities and we had passed through to get to other areas. Um, mm. 
But, or if it's like on the electrical lines, how many people you see these big transmitter lines and you see the fiber there that nobody's utilizing, even the power company is not utilizing that, that mm -hmm. fiber line, which is infuriating to a lot of people. So it's, it's not like we're all infuriated about some of these things. But one thing I will say is yes, a lot of these incumbents will not let you use their fiber to compete with them. But I think there is a, a lot of people don't understand this, is that there is a lot of cooperation behind the scenes of big fiber providers with other providers. I think they think that we build out our whole network, but there's a lot of leasing and trades that go on behind the scenes, which I think a lot of people are just not aware of. Right. And I think, um, so I remember back in the day when New York State had these companies, had these counties that were sometimes building these big middle mile networks. You know, they would find Verizon might lease those to get to their towers or something like that. Um, those networks were rarely used to build last mile homes, though. Um, and and to some extent, I feel like it will depend on the local management as to whether or not they will um, uh, engage in those kinds of deals, uh, particularly with newcomers. You know, once you've been around for 10 or 20 years, you might have a different experience. But I think if you're building a brand new network, they might be like, eh, we don't want to make it easy on you. That is fair. That's fair. I think that's where, like, even at the Utopia Network, we're the back call for some fixed wireless providers in the area. People wouldn't know that, but if we can't get to those areas, why not provide the best connectivity or the best transport to, for that, that fixed wireless carrier as well? And then the other piece was um, uh, just a development in um, Escambia County in um, uh, Florida. I used to live there, Florida. I used to live there in Escambia <laughs> County. Thank you. No way. I did. I did wow. back in my previous life before the Botox, Chris, before the Botox. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, you know, that's time for me to move on to the story. Um, <laughs> the, um, so we talked before about how the county was like, we need some service here. And then they basically, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened with the RFP, but it wasn't for the whole area and uh, electric co-op got it. And Cox was like, that's not fair. You made a special territory for them. It's not fair. Wah, wah, wah. And uh, went through a whole thing. The County reissued the RFP and Cox looked at it and said, eh, no, we're not interested. <laughs> but they delayed the whole thing by six months. And that's exactly what their tactic was. And it worked. Oh, but they say they might bid on the next one. Um, uh, of course they might. Yeah. Yes, they might. <laughs> I might bid on the next one. You never know. I, I, well, if Kim might, cause she might want to go back home. Yeah. So. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good. Nice place, <laughs> but a lot of hurricanes there when I lived there. I'm good. I'm good to stay in Utah. So, um, one of the things I liked about it though, is they're putting their own money into it. Uh, you know, I think $10 million of the county's funds and want to continue to encourage places to do that. Um, let me just ask for a minute or two and then let's, we'll come back to this as a note in our next, um, discussion, but, um, Kim, I would start with you and then, um, um, let's see who wants to pick up from there. But what is the future? Do you think for all of the urban areas that are being left out and not being able to access any of this money? They haven't figured it out yet in many cases, but as they figure it out, what do you think is next for them? Really, you're starting with me. What's the answer to our urban uh, broadband solution? Just what do you I think? think what do you think it's going to start to? What do you think things are going to start to move? 
I don't think they're going to move anytime soon, but I do think you're going to have to start seeing creative approaches. I think you're going to start seeing like smaller ISPs or ones that are going to go in there and overbuild into these areas with their own capital or whatnot. I think you could see private equity get into the space of urban centers, but I don't think any of the federal money is going to go there. I don't think any of the big carriers are going to continue building it out. I think you're going to see a young entrepreneurial spirit really come into those areas and try to find a solution. How about older entrepreneurial spirit, Travis? No, only young, only young. <laughs> Experienced have, entrepreneurial. Tra Travis is young. Travis is young. Yeah, yeah youngish. <laughs> uh, in these urban centers, I think you are what you have now is what you're going to have. I think the uh, the the hurdle now to do a grassroots ISP is too high. The cost of capital is too high. The um, barriers that these cities and towns put in place to do any work in these communities is too high and unless you're independently wealthy and you want to you know burn a bunch of cash i don't think there would be any incentive anymore to uh to overbuild well, what if you say in three years though travis because i don't think anything's going to happen today but i think the cost of capital or the cost of money will go down yeah yeah but, la but labor is through the roof if if unless doug's prediction which i like to bring up on every show is accurate if hundred dollar internet is a thing, which by the way it absolutely is at a hundred, it's already here. Yeah, yeah. If, if that's a thing, that helps. If if I could, if if we could get one hundred and thirty five dollars a month, like Starlink does, that would help a lot. But you're not going to have affordable conversation on internet and urban fiber in the same conversation. Those days. Oh, are I done. agree with you. And I, would I agree like, with you. I would step halfway in between you two because I think that they're will be people and there are people out building towns of five to 15,000 homes and those will get built. The bigger you are, everything Travis just said kicks in. There are a lot of ISPs out right now, even with the high cost of interest, because I think they're equity backed. We're building those small towns because that's a nice little cluster, 5,000 homes. You know, it's not oh. that costly. So those are being built. So, so those are going to get taken care of. Those, those, I'm helping those cities. They're writing RFPs and ISPs are showing up and building. But if you get larger, then all of a sudden this high cost of interest has just shut that door, I believe. So we'll, yeah, we'll find out. But, yeah. but I think what Kim is saying is what I expect too. I, I think in several years, I think interest rates are going to be going back down. Yeah, I, don't, always, they always I don't see them sticking that high. I don't think they're going to go down, that back down to where they were, but they're going down lower than they are now. But your your labor costs are through the roof. Your construction costs, your facility. If you don't already have ten thousand subscribers, all the winds out of your sail. Oh, but you're talking about startups. I'm the ones who are going to build are already ISP somewhere else. No, they're going to have economy of a scale. So. Well, I mean, yeah. If, if you take Start, Utopia and move hard time to be a startup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're having a hard time getting into another market because banks will not finance them anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just won't. It, the, 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 that that day is over right now. Yeah, that that speaker dried up. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So. When you say they won't, what does that mean? Like they they uh, won't give they you terms not. how it works. No, they won't give you the money. <laughs> I mean, I'm shocked, right? I, I gotta think Travis is a good bet. I mean, like, you no. know, I mean, yeah, he he can't put on a tie to save his life, but like, the guy runs a good business. Like, so he, he's already taken enough money; they're not giving yeah. anymore. Your 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 leverage is your leverage is too high. You don't have enough paid in mm -hmm. equity. There are these government grants that are coming down the road. They don't even give you dollar for dollar for the grants because they're too worried about all of the red tape that's going to happen. Um, no, I mean, 
Quite frankly, so you're saying that if you're saying that if you know if I come back to you in a week and I'm like, hey, I figured it out. I figured out how we can do LA. You're gonna be like, you know what? It just it can't happen. Well, unless there's there's I unless you want to sell eighty percent of the the opportunity to private equity, no. L, L, you know, I really commend that that lady for what they're trying to do, but it's not gonna. There's nothing gonna happen. I, I, I think I, I well, Shana is that lady, just to be clear. Um, yeah. and um, no, no, I'll just be clear. Wait, Travis doesn't wait. remember anyone's name, and I feel I'm not sure. Let's yeah. ask the other lady what she thinks. Yeah. No, and I, I was gonna say, I feel for Travis because my brain also breaks that way. Yeah. It's just that uh, I've known Shana for a while yeah. now. I literally once called Rye by my name, trying to remember what his name was, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's how bad it could get. But um, I also think that to some extent, I think local governments will be able to do more. And I think local governments can be more effective than Travis thinks they can. Nope. Nope. I will bet you chicken wings. Well, I already owe you chicken wings because um, it's, it's, it's not looking good even, for March. I mean, I hate to say it, but these guys can't even put a map together. And that's the easiest part that's of building. Different guys. Like this is this is one of those things that drives yeah. me nuts. Right. Like yeah. quick, quick mini rant. I'll just I'll throw this out there for your benefit, Travis. Right. We talk about government like it's one thing. Half of the you, you read a pick up a we'll look at the lawsuits. Half of the time, the states are suing the government like the government's like mad at itself. The agencies aren't agreeing. This is, it isn't one thing, government. And I think there are different levels of government that can do different things well. Kim is with the man, right? Like Kim works for the man and does a hell of a job. And like, she's not alone. She might be outnumbered, <laughs> but, but like there's government that works quite well and we can make it work better. That's what we're trying to do here. But you have to remove the red tape. And I think that is why Utopia is successful is because we can be agile as a governmental agency. And a lot of governmental agencies are not agile. I've worked with a few and I'm like, you can't go through this 15 layers and then be as fast and agile as you need to do to make this business work. And that's, and and that's, that's utopia secret. They're not working in yeah. the yeah. city because mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly, yeah. that takes politics out of it. No, but Chris, I, I want to make sure that, that, that you heard that. So I can get your rant next time to uh, building a broadband network. The easiest part is building the map. And if you can't even do that, right. <laughs> then, you know, we haven't, we haven't even got to the hard stuff yet. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I, I have no excuse. I'll just say that the problem with building the map is not that it is a technological issue, uh, a question of data. It is a political power question. And that is why we do not have good maps. Um, so you know um, as, as incumbents and as other ISPs operating, I love the fact that everyone's wasting so much time on the map. It's cla it's hilarious. It just, well, they, it just means the incumbents love this. This is the best. Oh, this is this is had. the best. Make the maps, cool. make them nonsense, get a bunch of people to talk about how bad they are, get them all arguing with themselves. You know what they're not doing? They're not they're building not any network. Right. It's awesome. Yep. So that's the thing. And people are waiting for this money to build their network, which people should be if they can get money today, build the network today while yeah, the no. money I mean is out there on the streets. When when the FCC released the fabric for comment at, uh, right before Thanksgiving, that's about the same time that Travis stopped building fiber. So there's a direct correlation right there. <laughs> I kind of think well, that that's probably when the banks were told were turned not to give any more money to Travis. Hold on, I think I think the FCC stepped in is what I think happened. Don't get me wrong, we we can still generate money for the existing network from a debt perspective. It's it's new opportunities are all dried up. So, but. Um, well, we I, need some. I, I, hang on real quick. I want to make sure I'm e I want to make sure I'm equal opportunity. But I commend that guy for sticking it out at the house forever. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Jeff has uh, <laughs> Jeff has one of the best Twitter names. He says uh, the Twitter um, uh, the Twitter name is it's spelled Jeff. 
the way he spells it. So, <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. That's it's funny. a good one. So with that, uh, we're going to be back in oh, two weeks. One thing. One thing. Oh, we're going to be back right now. Real I quick. Yes. Yeah, super, super fast. I want to commend Ruben on all his comments, and I agree with him. He's he's building $2.2 million to do his town in Maine. That's the kind of dollars I'm talking about. Good mm-hmm. job, Ruben. Yes, definitely. Good job. And he's doing it without ties. Doug, what were you going to say? I said I'd have to run, so let's get this thing yeah. rolling. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> we're going to be back in two weeks, and at that point, we're going to, I don't know, maybe we'll figure out how to connect this. 